When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, August 28th. Mega Mini Break Monday continues on to show number two. This edition of the podcast will be a U.S. Open women's singles draw preview. I know it's coming later than it should have. We have recovered from our five weeks on the road here at Cracked Rackets. We are ready to turn our attention, dive all the way into the final main of the season, and it just didn't feel right to let the action begin without some sort of draw preview. So I know some first-round matches have already begun or concluded. Eighth-seeded Maria Sakkari already knocked out of the event. That's a significant result we will discuss on our final edition of Mega Mini Break Monday. But more broadly here on this show, I want to take a 30,000-foot view, talk you through each of the quarters of the draw, discuss the most intriguing first-round matches, who are the seeds on upset alert, who are the players that have those seeds on upset alert. Talk about maybe the player you'll start to hear about that maybe you didn't know coming out of this event. And then, of course, I will offer my predictions for how I see each of these sections unfolding. We'll do this for the women's draw here on podcast number two. Our next edition of the show will be our men's singles draw preview. And then, of course, the final edition will be a recap of a busy day number one on the ground in New York. Of course, the reason we're able to do all of that day in, day out here on this show is because of the support we get from all of you listeners and, of course, because of the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point. Tennis-Point.com. The promo code is CR15. I'm going to hear that four times today, so we can keep it brief here on these podcasts moving forward. With all of that said, Let's get into the 2023 U.S. Open Women's Singles Draw. I know top half of the draw already underway, so we'll blitz more quickly through the most intriguing round one matches in these sections. But let's start with the Iga Sviantec quarter of the draw. And look, more broadly... Looking at Iga's North American hardcourt campaign thus far, I think she did the job she hoped or she accomplished what she hoped to accomplish. And I didn't get the chance to preview the top contenders, break down all the individual categories as we typically do. So I'm going to try to do that as we go along here in this show. Iga is my top contender. Tennis Abstract suggests as much. Certainly you look at the Vegas odds. They suggest as much as well. There's a reason for that. You look for Iga Sviantec overall on the season. I mean, she's been dominant. She's now, what, 71-11 and 11 in her last 52 weeks. That's ridiculous amounts of success. Of course, you want to isolate just this season. Fine. She's 54-9 and nine overall in the season. I believe she's made the quarterfinals in at least the quarterfinals, excuse me, in every event she has played since the Australian Open, where, of course, she was knocked out by eventual finalist uh, Elena Rabakina. 
Semifinals in Montreal, knocked out by the eventual champ Pagula in three sets. Semifinals in Cincinnati, knocked out by the eventual champ Goff in three sets. And remember, she served for that opening set. She accomplished what she wanted to accomplish. And you want to look at the advanced analytics. Sviantek's one of two players to rank top 10 in both hold and break percentage right now. The other is Coco Goff, who would be in my top five contenders list and happens to find herself here in the Sviantek quarter. Obviously, you look for Goff. Wins DC, loses to Pagula in Canada, beats Fiontek on her way to winning Cincinnati. She's answered every question you could have asked of her this summer, and she has to be. I, I think more broadly, not to step on the rest of this podcast, but my thoughts going into this U.S. Open is for the first time in a long time, I think we know pretty definitively who the five best players in the world are right now heading into this event. And I'll do respect to players like Jabur, who narrowly misses out on this list. Obviously, Mukhova, Vondrosova, they have been really good since making their slam finals, respectively. I think the top five is pretty clear. I think Iga, Sabalenka have to be those top two spots. Rabakina, Pagula, Goff is that next tier and I do think Rabakina has to be knocked down to that tier, just given the health concerns she's had. And, you know, again, for Iga and Sabalenka to both make the semifinals in Cincinnati, I think they both set out and accomplished what they hope to, which is just to find some rhythm, get a couple of good matches under their belts heading into New York. Iga's number one on my list. You look for her now on hard courts overall on the season. She's what I believe 28 and six. Who are the six losses? Pagula, Rabakina, Krechikova, Rabakina, Pagula, Goff, and Cincinnati, who, again, she's now 7-1 and one against in her career, served for the opening set. We don't have to relitigate that. She's the unequivocal favorite. She is the number one for me heading into uh, this U.S. Open. And, you know, again, looking at her draw, we already saw she advanced very comfortably. I think it was 11-2 or 6-love, six 6-1, six whatever it was, over Pedersen. She's now going to face Daria Seville. I don't think she has a weapon to hurt her. Lauren Davis won her first-round match, whether it's her or Cochiaretto. Again, advantage Sviantek. Cochiaretto has some pop. I just don't know if she can sustain it well enough against the relentless attack of Sviantek. Obviously, things start to get interesting as you look towards the rest of this quarter. And again, just blitzing through some intriguing first-round matches Ostapenko Paolini, that's a lot of firepower. That'll tell you right away, by the way, if Ostapenko blitzes through that, maybe she is dangerous. Kudermatova hasn't been great down this home uh, last few months, I should say. She struggled in Cleveland against Cerebez Tormo. Bernardo Pera can get her under some pressure. That's an intriguing first-round match in this section. Obviously, Danielle Collins blitzing through Linda Fruvertova is something that has to come to your attention because you look for Danielle Collins. She was great in this North American hardcore stretch. Qualifies in Canada, knocked out by Iga in three. Obviously, the Cincinnati result was more lopsided, but you beat Svitolina, Sakari Fernandez, Pavlichenkova, two losses to Iga in the North American hardcore stretch. I lost to Samsonova, I know, in D.C., but Samsonova made the final there. To show that sort of form early on, I mean, Collins is probably the biggest threat to Coco Goff in that quarter of the draw, a quarter that features Kvitova, you know, Magda Lynette. But outside of that, I mean, if you want to say Caroline Wozniacki, I suppose that's at your own peril. First round matches in this section are okay. I would have said Collins Fruvertova, but obviously that was a blitzing, and it makes sense because Fruvertova anticipates extraordinarily well. She's not the most explosive yet, and Collins has the sort of weapons that can really exp- uh, expose that. In terms of the seeds, you know, on upset alert, the players who will have that on upset alert, obviously Collins will be a 
fan uh, will be a you know people will consider her a uh, favorite over Elisa Mertens if that's a round two matchup. Mertens though the 32 seed, I think she has to be on upset alert there. It would be fun to see the weapons of Mira Andreeva against Goff in round two. I don't think that's an upset alert, but certainly Andreeva can pop the first serve. She can play with pace. She can elevate the ball, do a bunch of different things. I just think Goff can do all of those things a little bit better right now. You know, seeds on upset alert. I guess Davis over Cochiretto, but is that really an upset? I don't know. Top 50 player over the 29 seed. I guess Bernardo Pera over Kudermatova, but Kudermatova has struggled so much of late that I don't consider that a significant upset. Again, not to step on anyone's toes, but sorry, draw preview. I think a lot, it's going to be boring. I think a lot of this U.S. Open goes chalk. I think we have seen the best players be consistently good now in just about every portion of the calendar. I mean, again, you look at the stats leaderboard right now, you look at the points race, you look at the advanced analytics, all these different things kind of indicate a consistent top five, a consistent top six. And, you know, again, I think beyond that, you look at the points race right now, Sabalenka, Svantec, the top two, Rubakina three, Pagula four, Goff five. That makes sense, not just from a point standpoint, but I think that makes sense from a narrative standpoint as well. Those have been the most consistent players throughout the course of the season. I mean, you look at the stats leaderboard right now in terms of, you know, again, wins leaders here in 2023. Iga's one, Sabalenka's two, Pagula's three, Rubakina's four, Coco Goff is five. When the wins say it, when the points say it, when the advanced analytics say it, those are your five best players. And so, you know, again, the best chance for an American, obviously Coco Goff. She comes in with all the momentum in the world, could not have had a better summer. This is a massive opportunity for her. And she gets more than anything, the belief, not just from winning Cincinnati, but from have having beaten Iga. Like that, you just can't undervalue, given how lopsided that head-to-head was, the importance of that win mentally, just to have seen it happen and understand what it takes. I think this, you know, Kvitova, the weapon she possesses, but a lefty into that Goff backhand. I always like Goff's chances there. I think we get the Iga-Coco matchup we're hoping for. My prediction would be Iga over Coco now. You know, again, in terms of a player to get to know from this section, whose name you haven't heard before, do you want to say Jen Brady? She beats Kim Burton. I mean, we've heard that name before. I mean, Wozniacki, Kvitova, we've heard all these names. Mira Andreeva, obviously, after what she's done at the past couple of slams, wouldn't be a shock to anyone. I don't know that that player exists in this section. Again, I think this section goes chalk. I think that's the best thing possible for this tournament to get an Iga Coco quarterfinal in front of a packed house in New York. God, would that be special. I'll take Iga through to the semifinals. Again, those are my thoughts on the Sviantec quarter. We're going to go top to bottom, so we will start now on the Rybakina quarter. You know... Looking at Elena Rabakina, again, we haven't done the previews that we typically do here, so I do want to expand a little bit on our contenders in each section. Rabakina, after coming off of the quarterfinals at Wimbledon, she semis in Montreal, loses a tough a three-setter to Samsonova in what was, you know, a weirdly paced match. The first, you know, all three sets, one six, six, one six, two, so lopsided. Rabakina seemed a little banged up at the end. She comes out, beats Ostapenko round one in Cincy before having to retire against Paulini uh, up a set, but I believe down a break 5-2 in the second in the second round. Obviously has had about 10, 12 days to recover subsequently, and 
The most intriguing first-round match of the tournament is her versus Marta Kostyuk because Kostyuk has had a breakout 2023 season. And the reason I bring that up is we'll know right away what Rabakina's form is still. Rabakina right now fourth in hold percentage on the WTA Tour. You look at her record here in 2023, 41-11 overall on the year. You know, she lost... I mean, what, has she lost a bad match, I guess, to Kalinskaya in Madrid in three sets? If you want to say that's one bad match that she lost. But, of course, she comes out and wins Rome the very next event. She hasn't taken a bad loss all year long. I'm not counting the withdrawals against Cerebez Tormer or Paulini in Roland Garros in Cincinnati, respectively. Like, Haddad Maya three sets Abu Dhabi or... Other than the Kalinskaya loss in Madrid, Vekic three sets Berlin, like, are those bad losses? I don't know. She has been that consistent, but Marta Kostyuk's a real threat. And you look for Marta Kostyuk, comes into the event ranked 39, the 21-year-old currently 22-17 and 17 overall in the year, but obviously wins her first title of her career in Austin, quarterfinals in Washington, D.C., where she beats Andrescu, she beats Caroline Garcia, Good third-round appearance in Wimbledon, considering she beat Sakari in round number one. Third-round Australian Open as well, beats Denise over right, uh, round one before bowing out to Pagula. Concerning losses, certainly, to Chin Wen and Paulini in Montreal, Cincinnati, first rounds respectively, but Paulini made the quarters in Cincy. The Chin Wen loss was 6-3 in the third, and her power can do that. It's a frisky match. Rabakina's the favorite, but again, it's a great litmus test right away, and we, we've seen Kostyuk beat a top 10 seed already in an opening round of a slam this year. So it should it, that's the most intriguing first-round match. Certainly, Rabakina, after that, I think her section opens up pretty nicely, considering what? Round two, Udvardi or Tomjanovic, given the injuries Tomjanovic has dealt with all season long. Rabakina, assuming she gets through Kostyuk, I think has to be considered a favorite pretty heavily in that. After that, we know Kirstea can get hot. Sinyakova, Kalinskaya beat her earlier this season. I get that, but I think Rabakina would look pretty favorably at that matchup. After that, you look at the seeds in this section. Azarenka knocks out Fiona Farrow in round one. Bencic over Rakamova in round one. Mukhova over Storm Sanders in round one. Haddad Mai and Sloane Stevens were battling when I started recording this. I think it was four all or five all in the second set. So unsure how that one finishes. Again, we'll recap it on our final mini break of the day. This uh, and then of course Kalin, uh, Kalinina taking on Cleveland champion Cerebus Tormo. That's an upset alert. Sakari already knocked out of this section. That top, it, it is a loaded section, considering, again, I think Muhova would have to be in a top 10 contenders list, maybe even sneak into, you know, again, I think the top five's pretty locked. She could sneak into that sixth spot. Obviously, we've seen what Bencic is capable of this season, winning a big event, what, in Abu Dhabi earlier in the year, uh, what she made, quarterfinals Montreal, quarterfinals Washington, losing to Samsonova Goff, respectively. We've seen her make the semifinals of this event. So I think Belinda Bencic, who, oh, by the way, is top 10 in hold percentage for another, what, a third consecutive season now in the WTA Tour, has held on to her top 15 spot pretty consistently this season. I think she would be in my top 10 list. She usually does sneak in. Azarenka is one of the analytics darlings. She's one of what? five plus six, 11 players to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage. Again, it's been inconsistent, but when she's been healthy, I do think we've seen her peak level be pretty high this season. 
Hadad Myers made a semifinal at a slam this year. This is a loaded section from a steed standpoint, and that's why, again, who are the dark horses? What are the upsets alert? What are the, you know, names you need to get to know? I th- you know, Magdalena Freak knocks out Emma Navarro round one. I probably would have put that on upset alert and been incorrect there. Kayla Days had a good year breaking into the top 100. I don't know if she gets past Serana Kirstea. If Sloan can get through Haddad Maya, that gets interesting. I'm biased given I just saw her, but I would not want to face Sarah Cerebus Tormo. You give her a day off in between matches. I don't care that she just played last week in Cleveland. She is as you know fit and as tough as they come. How about Wang Xinyu, though? Maybe that's the name. Unseated Wang Xinyu, uh, who reached the quarterfinals last week in Cleveland, knocked out three sets by Alexandrova. New career high inside the top 60 for the first time in her career. She takes on maybe a tired Cerebes Tormo if she gets through volley nets round one. Cerebes Tormo gets through round two. Now, all of a sudden, again, that draws open because Sakari's already been knocked out. I think that's the name maybe if she sneaks into a, what, a fourth round that that we haven't heard before. I'd probably take Cerebus Tormo even. Get, I, I'm saying Cerebus Tormo is the one who now, given Sakari's been upset, she sneaks into the second week before ultimately fatigue gets set in and she gets knocked out by a Muhova there. You know, again, I think there are a lot of good matchups come round three, come round four in this section. Rabakina Kostjuk's the one that sticks out round one. Kalinskaya Sinyakova is going to be sneaky physical. Shout out Taylor Townsend, who gets a round one victory. Obviously, Steven Sadadmaya has turned into a really fun match. American with the best chance. I think it. I, I'll have to see what the Sloan s- score is. I would have picked her before. Now you probably, I guess, have to by default go with Taylor Townsend, given the other Americans have been knocked out. I know this is, again, a much shorter on the Rabakana quarter than I think we did on the Iga quarter. I'm going chalk. I'm going Rabakana, uh, Rabakana Muhova. I don't think that's a shock to anyone. You look for Carolina Muhova, which she's accomplished this season. She's also one of the 11 players to rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage. You look at what she did in this North American hardcourt stretch. Muhova, final Cincinnati, knocked out by Goff in straights, but gets a win over Sabalenka, Sakari, Haddad Maya, knocked out round of 16 by Iga in three sets in Montreal. Did what she wanted to accomplish in this North American hardcore stretch. And so I'm going chalk here. I'm going Rabakina versus Muhova. I'm going to take Rabakina in that matchup because, again, if she gets rolling, we know how potent her serve her first forehand power tennis can be. I'll go Rabakina over Muhova. I'll go Shiantek Rabakina as my top half semifinal. And we'll end this show with my semifinal and final predictions. Let's move on to the Pagula quarter and the bottom half of the draw now. And look, I am going to go into the most intriguing first round matches now with a little bit more depth because, again, none of these matchups have started. Wang Yafan is obviously the name that's been going around tennis Twitter, justifiably so. You look at what the 29-year-old has accomplished over her last 52 weeks, 56-10 and 10 overall since the start of this season, has built her ranking back up one, what, I want to look here to get this correct, I apologize. I believe she has won six different titles, made eight different finals, all of them at the 125K or lower ITF level, but she won the 125K in Stanford a couple weeks ago, uh, which of course we talked about with John J. Parsons. 
you know, comes through qualifying wins over Sarah Bielik, Ann Lee, Marina Rivera, all in straight sets. She beat Sarah Bielik 0-0 in the first round of qualifying. She's coming in hot. Caroline Garcia has obviously not had the sort of year she was hoping to, given that first half of the season had she had, a, you know, she could have made a top four push just given she had Cincinnati title, U.S. Open quarters, tour finals title on her resume. You look for her overall this year, 31 and 19. Now, she did get a couple of wins in Cleveland, make a quarterfinal there to get her momentum going, but first round loss to Sloan and Cincy, first round loss to Boshkova in Montreal, first round loss to Kostjuk in D.C., Wang Yafan is going to come in swinging freely. And so, again, you're not accustomed to Garcia's pace until you see it, but that's an analytics match you just got to keep your eyes on, given the fact, given how much winning Wang Yafan has done. That's one to keep an eye on. Tossin versus Potapova. I know Clara Tossin had to withdraw in Cincinnati, but when she's striking the ball well, she is just going to play on her terms. Potapova has not had the best hardcourt summer losses in Cincinnati. Second round, Vondrosova. First round, Montreal, Muhova. First round, Washington, Benchich. Now, those are all really tough draws, but still, again, lacking confidence, I suppose, coming into it. Alexandrova Fernandez. I mentioned all last week what I saw in Fernandez. Alexandrova's pace is, in my opinion, the biggest weapon on the court. She's top 10 in hold percentage this season, but winner of that should make the third round, should face Vondrosova who I think had a pretty good North American hardcore stretch. She wins Wimbledon, round of 16 loss in Montreal to Coco Goff, quarterfinal loss in Cincinnati to Sviantec, wins over Potapova, Stevens, Wozniacki in that stretch. Again, did enough to feel confident, has a couple of matches, plays Hanna Lee, round one, winner of Trevisan Putenseva, round two. She should just be, she should find her rhythm heading into round number three, but that's a really fun projected matchup. Hate to say it, but I think we're holding chalk. I think we're getting Samsonova keys in that next section of the draw because Madison Keys, one of three players to rank top 15 in both hold and break percentage this season. Samsonova, I think, has to be pretty happy with her hard court stretch. Finals, the 500 level event in DC. Finals, the 1000 in Montreal. I know she gets knocked down three sets by Noskova, first round Cincy, but that's a schedule loss after two long weeks of tennis. She'll face Claire Lou round one. The pace she plays with, that's just a tough matchup for Lou. You know, Ronksa Roos has done a lot of winning this year, but the lefty just hasn't quite faced the pace of Madison Keys at this surface on this speed. Svitolina Pagula, a section of the draw. Shout out Fiona Crawley for qualifying. Camilla Georgie Pagula is a sneaky, tricky first-round match for Pagula, but... I think we're getting chalk everywhere, but maybe the top half of the section. And even there, Peyton Stern. Yeah, I'm going to get Peyton Stearns to be the one unseeded player to get to the third round in this section. I think everything else is holding chalk. I know this is boring, but I think we, after five years of a lack of clarity, it's been a pretty consistent top 20 group over these past 18 months. And I think at this event is where we start to see them separate themselves. Now, of course, it's the U.S. Open, so I'm going to be precisely wrong. I think things stay pretty close to script. Now, again, seeds on upset alert, certainly Potapova versus Tossin, certainly Garcia, Wang Yafan, Fernandez, Alexandrova. I mean, do Vickmeyer or Zvonareva beat Keys if she gets through Roos round one? No, so Roos is probably the tougher test there. 
Georgie Pagula, am I really going to call that an upset alert in anyone in this section? Like, no, I'm sorry. I don't see it. I can't make a convincing case with conviction. Fernandez over Alexandrova and then over Vondrosova is a scenario. Like, Fernandez and maybe Peyton Stearns. I could see Peyton Stearns getting to fourth round if she gets through a Potapova, gets another look at a Garcia. Although, didn't I believe Peyton Stearns last week knocked out by Garcia? I think that was four and five, right? Nope, six and three. Yeah, gets through that in a second look now that she's seen the pace. Garcia and Fernandez. Uh, excuse me, Stearns and Fernandez. That could be the funky fourth round unseated matchup that no one saw coming. I think Peyton Stearns of the Americans in the section that are unseated has the best chance. But of course, boy, would it be fun to see a Pagula Keys fourth round matchup, which I do think is very much in the cards. Who's coming out of that top half? I'm going to stick with Von Drusova. I think she gets through a Fernandez, gets through a Stearns, takes on a Pagula. I think Pagula gets through from there. Again, I told you that's going to be the theme of this sh- uh, of this show. And you know, again, we'll get into the men's side as well in a moment. I think there's a lot less clarity at the top when you look at guys like Rude and Runa and you know Rublev and Tsitsipas who haven't played that great over the past few weeks. It was a pretty consistent slate of names on the women's side, and I think that means for it's going to be a really fun second week of this U.S. Open because I do think we're going to see all the best players go head to head and slug it out and the way you hope for at a year's final major. So again, I'm sticking chalk. I'll go Pagula over Vondrosova. Top three of the top four seeds through in my first three quarter previews. Let's go to the final section of the draw. The Arena Sabalenka section of the draw will start with the most intriguing first round matches. I mean, right off the back, Jabur versus Osorio. Kami scraps, she claws. She'll see Jabur. She's one of the few players who sees the Jabur backhand slice and says, oh, we're trading slices today? I'm down because she gets creative. She'll throw in the high and heavy topspin and just throw in the short angles, play the sort of improvisational tennis where Jabur typically thrives. Now, I think Jabur is the better version of that. But that's a very physical first-round match. And again, you look for Anjabur, had a very good Cincinnati quarters there, beats Vekic Kalinina before a tricky match with Sabalenka. That's a first. That's a good litmus test for Jabur right off the bat. And Osorio is certainly capable of winning it. Now, you want a fun contrast of Styles, Noskova, Brangle, Unstoppable Forts meets the immovable object. Kruger, Bozhkova, same thing. And I think Kruger has Bozhkova on upset alert. Parks, Kasakina, again, contrast of styles. I think that's an upset alert. If Parks gets hot on the serve, she's just going to have the opportunity to swing freely. The crowd gets behind her. Who knows what happens there? I would say those are the three biggest upset alerts. Osorio, Jabur, Kruger, Bozhkova, and then Parks, Kasakina. And those are the first, dare I say, th- uh, clear first-run upsets we've had in some time here in this draw preview. Outside of those, obviously any opportunity to see Venus play. She's taking on Hreetman, and you know the crowd's going to be pumped to have her. That's going to be fun. As you start to project a little bit forward, potential matchups, that full top section. I mean, you could get to know Linda Naskova very, very well. I think she's one of the dark horses, and Look, she hasn't had her breakthrough moment at a slam yet, but two finals on hard courts this year, one in Adelaide, the other in Prague. Round of 16 in Cincinnati, she beat Kvitova in three, beat Samsonova in three. 
She just has real weapons. And again, when she's connecting on her backhand down the line, everything else opens up for her. You give her time like Jabir will with the slices. She's just going to be able to hit through some of that. So I think Linda Naskova is the dark horse I would turn to most. Although again, Kruger, an American, beats Boshkova round one. Maybe she gets through a Martich or a Maria. Although Tatiana Maria, that's another dark horse to circle because I'll tell you what, I think she's getting through either Kruger or Bozhkova in round number two, and then her off-speed versus Noskova in round three. I think that's the funky one. That's the section where things get weird. We finally found it. I'll go Noskova versus Tatiana Maria in round three. The winner of that losing to Jung Chin Wen in the fourth round, and Jung Chin Wen's going to be my surprise quarterfinalist because I look at that section of the draw – you know, I don't know if Podoroska has the weapons to just throw Chinwen off enough. And Krejcikov has just been too inconsistent all year long. Now you look at her section, Montgomery, Lee, Spronzetti. She should have time to find her rhythm. And then, you know, if she does, that third round match with Chinwen becomes the litmus test. She gets through that. The draw could that this Jaberta Krejcikova section of the draw is the most fascinating to me because none of the four seeds, Jabur, Boshkova, Jung Chinwen, Krejcikova playing definitively well enough to be clear cut favorites. And there are enough dangerous names, Naskova, Maria. Let's say Kaya Kanepi gets hot because it happens from time to time that this section is the one that's going to get funky to me. I'll take Chin Wen over Tatiana Maria in the fourth round. That's my weird quarter, uh, a 16th of the draw. Beyond that, I think Sabalenka gets through everything pretty comfortably. Again, she's semifinals in Cincinnati. Wasn't pleased with her own tennis from a body language perspective. You could tell she was just frustrated with her serve, but she's been nails at slams this year. What? Finals, semis, semis. So far this season, because semi'd Wimbledon, semi'd Roland Garros, yeah, title in Australia, excuse me, I said finals, titles, semi, semis, Ve- like Vekic in the fourth round, no, Pliskova round three, all due respect, no, Kasakina, no, Parks, no, if it was Kennan, it would be fun, but no, I just, I think she's through pretty comfortably, and again, I'll take her over Chun, uh, Jung Chin Wen as my final prediction from the quarters. From there, best case for an American in this section, Brangle, no. Kruger over Bozhkova is a chance. Kennan, maybe. Parks over Kasakina, sure. Yeah, let's go Alicia Parks with the best chance to maybe get through Kasakina, and then the rest of the section opens up to her. She makes it through to the third round. But again, I think more than anything, that top quarter is the thing that intrigues me most, or that top half of this bottom quarter, that Jabur through Krejcikova section of the draw. I think that's the one where things start to get a little bit weird. So that's what I would keep my eyes on there. But, you know, again, to wrap up this draw preview, semifinals, finals, predictions, why am I going with Sviantek versus Rabakina, Sabalenka versus Pagula? I'll stick by the facts. Rabakina's fourth and hold percentage, she's excluded from this group. But Goff, uh, excuse me, Sviantek, Pagula, Sabalenka, Three of the five players to rank top 20 in both hold and break percentage this season. Sabalenka has gone finals, semis, semis of the slam. Title, semis, semis. Sviantek's gone round to 16, lost to the finalist Rabakina. Title. And then how'd she do at Wimbledon again? Who'd she lose to? See, this shows you just again how much tennis has been in my head. I believe she lost, yeah, to Svitolina in the quarterfinals in what was a funky three-set match. But round of 16, title quarters and she's the defending champ and she made semis in both Toronto 
uh, in both Montreal and Cincinnati. She lost to the two eventual champions. She just she doesn't lose the players she's not supposed to lose to. And I don't. I just I think she gets through Goff. I don't see Goff beating her tw- twice in a row. I think she gets through that quarter. You know, again, I made the case for Rabakina. She makes the semifinals in. She just she did her job over these past. They all did their jobs during this North American hardcore stretch, and they have all been consistent enough this season that I think this is a slam where we see all of them meet in the semifinals. I know first time in a long time, but I'm going to make a bet that it does happen. That's my zag. That this is the slam that doesn't get funky. That this is the slam where the seeds finally hold. As such, I'm just I'm going Iga. I need to I'm Iga until proven otherwise. Give me Iga over Sabalenka. Iga's been the most consistent player from start to finish this season. Sabalenka can absolutely test her. I think Iga's pathway, given she'd have to go through Go, you know, three of the top five contenders in Goff, Rabakina, and Sabalenka. It's the toughest of any of the pathways. I think she'll have to go through that pathway. I think she does it. I think she comes out of this as the definitive world number one. And it was a question for the majority of this season because Sabalenka has been on the level. But I think that's what the narrative coming out of this is that Iga is the best player in the world, and now we know it for sure. And yes, there are worthy challengers, but now we know Iga is the player to beat. So I'm going Iga over Sabalenka in what I think will be a chalk U.S. Open. But of course, we'll be here recapping each and every day where I am sure I will be proven wrong. Of course, top eight seed Maria Sakkari already knocked out of the event. That said, I think she would have been one of the that the top eight seed I would have had the least amount of faith in. We'll recap that. We'll get into all of it on our final edition of the mini break. Of course, a men's draw preview coming up a little bit later today. Shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out as well to the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rack and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.